Boldly Beautiful is your audio beauty brunch table. A source for conversations on all things skincare, makeup, fashion, styling, health and wellness, and general female fun. Brought to you by two women with over 20 years of friendship. So grab your girlfriends, pour a mimosa, and let's get Boldly Beautiful. We're back. Episode two. Episode two. I just looked at you for a second and was like, wait, she's not wearing her mic. That's because we switched. I already forgot. (laughs) I'm wearing a mic that looks like I could be directing air traffic control. And um, Candace has the cute little lapel mic. Yes. So I I I got used to staring at you last time with the microphone headset set up. And now I'm like, wait, you're naked. I'm naked. What are we talking about today? We kind of decided that we were going to pick up from where we left off just a little bit to talk about how we actually met and how we came to work together. Oh, yeah. And then we're going to be talking about what it actually means to be boldly beautiful. So we need to share our friendship story. I love a good how we met story. It's our, it's like our meet cute. It is. It is. Actually, we would, if there was a movie made about our life and our friendship someday, we would have an amazing meet cute Mm, because we did have a really cool how we met kind of story. We did. Like we could share it at our non-lesbian lesbian wedding. (laughs) Who would play you in a movie? Oh my gosh. I don't know. I get that question. I've had that question asked of me because I'm told... So I'm told that I look like um, Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Okay. And then also a little bit of like... I mean, a, who wouldn't want to be played by Kelly Kapowski? Right? Mm-hmm. She's so hot. And haven't you seen... Have you seen her recently? Like, Mm-mm. she still looks so good. Well, she's just a beautiful chick anyway. Okay, so she can play me. Okay. Because I think that she could play us, quote unquote. Right. Yeah. From like age 15 right Right. yep yep she could be all the ages all the way to like 45 well that kind of blows who i was gonna have play me out of the water who's gonna play you well i was gonna say marie osmond because (laughs) wait a second well that's who i get told i look like all the time is marie osmond you know what i do see it Mm mm-hmm not yep. to back on Marie, man. She's hot, too. She's pretty great, but I don't think she could play 17-year-old me. I don't think she can either. Yeah, so I'm going to have to rethink. Maybe Kate Beckinsale. I mean, I've Ooh. never been told I look like Kate Beckinsale, but I'd be okay but if I was told I was like... <laughs> the movies, the fantasy versions I'm, of us. Yeah. Okay, she's, <laughs> she's like my backup. Okay. Yeah. So let's set the scene. Okay. First day of school. It's first day of school. 1998. Is it 1998 or is it 1999? No, it's 98 because I graduated. Right. Oh, that's right. In 99. Okay, so So. it's the it's the top of your senior year and my junior year. Yes. And Tiffany Amber Thiessen and Marie Osmond walk into a classroom. The classroom is um, drama class. Yes, we met in theater class. We did, we did. Um, To be honest, I just took it because it was like first hour and I needed something easy to wake me up. (laughs) 
it was my <laughs> senior year. I wanted a bit of an easier load. Well, and we should point that out because that's kind of an interesting part of the story mm -hmm. is that I was the hardcore drama nerd uh -huh. that had lived and died by lived and died well. by right by Les Mis and the Phantom of the Opera and had loved all things television and movies mm -hmm. since I was four years old and so of course I took every theater course that was offered mm -hmm. in high school super serious you I took it as a blow off course. were like ROTC yep. super academics girl mm -hmm. but you had been highly impressive the year before in your junior play. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the junior play. Yes. Yeah. So I first knew who you were from seeing you the year before in the junior play and thinking you were really gotcha. good. So and again, I just took that to get out of <laughs> class as much as possible. Right. right. But so when you walk in to the theater course... This is the next cool, year, I never knew that. Yeah, oh yeah, actually, I've never oh. shown this with you. Wow. Oh my God, listeners, you're part of a moment. Total moment. Um, I, you, I thought when you walked into the class, you were actually like just as serious about it as I was. Oh no. And <laughs> it's like fly by the seat of my pants. That's how I live my everyday life. Right. To be honest. I would later go on this wild journey of friendship yes. with you, where I would later be like, oh. oh. She just effing wakes up in the morning and just decides she's going to do something. And that's yep. the thing she's going to do. Yep. And she's going to be super passionate about it while she's doing it. That's right. But it go might not last very long. <laughs> go big or go home. Right. There's so, no point in doing something unless you're going to like do it all the way. Exactly. Yeah. And we both do feel that way. Yeah. And that's really like what's held us together. True. Even though you're fly by the seat of your pants and I'm planner. Yeah. Because yeah. at least when we finally get on the same page, it's yeah. going to be balls to the wall. We took some personality tests actually recently that were very introspective and interesting because we're very opposite in some ways. But it just works so well because you're a planner. I'm a fly by the seat of my pantser. Like you're very organized and very methodical when it comes to planning something or designing something or and I'm just like hey I can come up with the ideas we were opposite in exactly the ways that you needed to be opposite and alike in exactly the ways you needed to be alike true and that is like 100% how we have survived mm -hmm. 20 years of friendship I remember the person sativa that was going through my Colby scores and stuff at that class and she brought up both of our scores you weren't sitting in there with oh, me, yeah. but she texted she me and had, asked me permission. Right. But she had pulled up your scores from your previous test and she was using it as like a demonstration for everybody. Like these are two people that work together and here is how they should work together. And here is every place that they should not. <laughs> and I kind of had to speak up in the class. Like, hang and on. Be like, like, Wait a second. <laughs> like if I had, if I were like a random Joe Schmo, like coming and applying to work for you or something like that, like, I can totally see where that would not be the most beneficial relationship right. for either of us. But given our history and how we've known that about each other, I think for the majority of our friendship, 
we just integrate in such a way that it just works. Yeah. So it really winds up being the best of both worlds. 100%. Because I get to be a little flighty and creative sometimes and come up with 5 million different things that I want to do. And you're the one that keeps me grounded and reminds me, nope, we're, we're sticking to the path. We've right. got a plan. The plan's important. But at the same time, if a plan's not working, I get to come to you and say, okay, listen, maybe it's time to kind of change course. Here's like bit. 20 ideas right. I have for how it could be different. You, you don't have to live and die by this one yes. route that you have set out for this this journey so side note can I point out that the furniture in here is totally different than it was <laughs> last time I was here okay however you have not been to my home in a really long time that's true so you need to explain why you made that comment because Jennifer constantly <laughs> rearranges her furniture I do and that's true. weird I'll never forget the weekend that you and Tom asked me to come check on Brian and check on the apartment. And I made a joke that when you returned from the weekend or a few days, whatever it was, that your furniture might be rearranged because this apartment they lived in for like nine years or something. Oh, like 13. Oh, 13. Never once had the furniture been rearranged. It had been that way since pretty much you guys moved into that apartment because whereas, it was functional <laughs> and it worked whereas i rearranged my furniture probably once every three months and that's that may be underestimating how much i rearrange <laughs> but i made that comment to candace and she immediately looks at me and she says you do that and i will bolt yours to the floor yes and I was like, never mind. <laughs> never We're mind. Good. That sounds terrible. Yes. Side note, we should also point out that Brian was my dog oh. at the time, <laughs> not my son. True. For listeners True. who listened to our last episode and heard I have a two-year-old, yep. we did not leave our two-year-old at home <laughs> and, and just be like, hey, Jennifer, go water and feed him every once in a while. <laughs> True story. Oh my gosh, we've got to stop with the tangents. Okay. We're bad yes. with tangents. We are bad. Okay. So Back we are in class. class. Yes. And the first improv assignment was mm -hmm. improv, mm -hmm. which I can't stand. But and I love. And Jennifer loves. Although I will say that it was my favorite kind of improv, which was the we're going to at least give you freedom like 15 minutes to prepare sure. which I do like that improv like if I'm given a prompt and you can kind of like decide what it's going to be okay I'm cool with that so we were given a prop and yes. they some of them were the most off the wall things yes and Jennifer's was a paper clip or no a clothespin close it was a mm -hmm. clothespin mm -hmm. and she and most people in the class did comedy uh -huh. like really goofy trying to be slapstick kind of whose line is it anyway style yeah pretty much whose line is it anyway i mean you have to keep in mind it's like a drama course in, in, in high, high school, school and you know everybody thinks they're jim carrey and a lot of them weren't but <laughs> but jennifer did a serious piece I did. Where she put the clothespin on her nose and it distorted her voice and it also made her look funny. And it was it was a very ahead of its time. It was. Because it? now we live in this world mm -hmm. where everything is about the anti-bullying movement. Yep. 
and the inclusive movement and it was an anti-bullying piece. It, it was. was this whole... And was being made fun of. Yes, she was being made fun of because of the sound of her voice, because of the way she looked, and she essentially like took her power back and and put the bullies in their place. And it was a little bit of a... Like, there was, like, silence when you were done. <laughs> like, people, people were like, oh, shit. She's, like, really good. And it was, like, freaking love at first sight for me. I immediately had a talent crush on you. I wanted to be your best friend. And I can't even really remember, first of all, I do not remember at all what my prop was. I don't either. Or so what I'm glad you my don't either because I was feeling was. really bad. I don't, I don't remember anything about what I did. But I, it is burned in my brain forever what you did. Because it was so good. And it immediately just like platonically attracted me to you. And it was almost like love at first sight. Right. And I knew we were going to be friends forever. And we were. Yes. So crazy. And... Then fast forward to finding out that we live less than half a mile away by the way the bird flies or the crow flies. Yes. That thing goes. We lived right down the street from each other. Had no idea. And had no idea. And so then it was super easy to go over to each other's houses and have sleepovers. It pretty much started right away. Like we yeah. started hanging out like at school. And then I think we were partnered for the improv competitions. Yes, we did do Arkansas State mm -hmm. Theater and Debate competitions, mm -hmm. and we did a duet. Once again, we picked the, everybody goes for comedy. We, we picked the dramatic series. thing. Yeah, we I were, don't remember what any of those were either. Oh my gosh, we were two girlfriends that one of us had died. <gasps> one of us right. was a ghost. Yes, oh, how did I and, forget this? And we were having yes. a conversation and, with each other. And the person was mad that the, uh, that the other friend yes. had left and had died and was it was trying to find some closure in that. You're right. I'm getting look at that. I'm it getting was crazy. goosebumps right now. Listen. Yes. We were kind of a big deal. We like were. we <laughs> at least in our own head. <laughs> our and on the bus. We but we did have people stop us in the hallways that had heard about what the piece was like but hadn't gotten to see it. Mm -hmm. And they made us go into a classroom and give them like a private performance mm -hmm. because they had heard right. that it was good and they hadn't gotten to see it during the competition and so they wanted right. to see it which I thought was pretty hilarious that is yes so we did do that yep. and then we did some community theater plays yep. together we were beast. we were in Beauty and the Beast together yep. of course Candace was Beauty and I was the maid <sighs> but it is because you did love the comedic role. You loved a good yeah. comedic role. Oh, because we also did Nine Girls. Yes. Which was a murder mystery set in the 1950s. But hilarious. But it was really, it was actually like a pretty fun play. It was yeah. like a good script. It I was, played this like shot put champion, like just clumsy. Athletic, yes. really butch. Yep. You were like the butch girl. Yep. And I was hilarious. And you were so I, funny. I get to come in on every scene basically tripping over something. Yes. Some sort of hockey stick. You like were the comedic flying, relief because there was Flying out of the bag. Because there was literally people being like murdered on stage. Sure. sure. We were all sorority murdered. girls in a cabin together and one of us was slowly trying to kill everyone. Yep. 
and she cut the brakes in your car. Yep. That was your big scene. Mm-hmm. But you didn't die. No. Because you can't kill the comedy. Because <laughs> you can't kill the comedy. <laughs> no. Nope. Oh my gosh. So that's our friendship story. Yep. That's our origin story. And what's really funny is out of our 20 plus friendship, so we met in 1998. That, again, was my senior year, your junior year. I left to go to college in Conway, Arkansas. Um, after that summer, so the following year. And by the time, I only did a year there before transferring back home, I took a job um, with the government and then continued to go to school at night and finish my degree that way. But by the time I came back to our hometown, you had then left and you moved to Springfield. Yep. So. From 1998 until 2010, so 12 years. Well, 99. Yep. Mm-hmm. We had only lived in the same town for one year yes. of that. But we were best of friends. But our friendship was a little bit different than most in that I think because we we're already in that distance relationship so early on in our friendship that was just how it was yeah i i feel like i've always been really really bad at long distance relationships whether it was romantic or friendships or or anything it's it's just life gets busy and you're in the moment and you're experiencing things with other people so you naturally grow closer to those people and um but I think because you would come home and visit so often, my mom knew Springfield really well because she had a home office up here, so I would come up quite often. We were able to maintain a really close friendship when most most of my other long-distance friendships would have completely fallen apart and did, in fact, fall apart at that point. Well, and we had very similar communication styles where neither of us really like talking on the phone. Oh, the worst. So we weren't... And that was even before texting was... Oh, my gosh. It was before everything. You didn't have any kind of social media. You didn't Mm -hmm. have... I mean, you literally just saw each other in person, you wrote a letter, or you called each other on the phone. And we kind of hated all those things except seeing each other in person. Right. So we could have the kind of friendship where... Hey, something big's going on. Yes. I'll tell you about it next time I see you. Which would be a month. Which would be like, in, in three weeks, I will tell you about the major thing that went down in my life. Right. And the other person, instead of flipping out, would be like, okay... (laughs) <laughs> yep. And then legitimately when we got together it was like nothing had even right. changed. It was just another day. Oh my gosh, you won't believe what happened. You are kidding me. Yeah. He did not just say that. Yes. And you know, so it was kinda nice though because you got all the it's like binge watching your favorite show, right? Because you don't have to wait for the cliffhanger to we find out what friendship. happens. Right. Yeah. Because everything was already resolved by the time That's we true. saw each other and got to That is true. Right. So you would get the, the whole news. story. That's yep. true. That's yep. true. We were ahead of our time. So I think that it prepared us for now, finally, after 20 years, the thing that we've always discussed is having a project that we could work on together. Mm -hmm. And that is what this podcast is. And it is also what our 
businesses are because you have recently opened your business and we were able to put our businesses together in the yep. same building. Mm -hmm. So now we see each other all the time. <laughs> all the time. And I say that with love. Because yes. I really do love it when we're here. And then our third business partner in crime, Ina, is a massage therapist. And uh, she fits in really well with our friendship dynamic yes. and business dynamics. So really, when we are in the building at the same time, it is a party. We are all super happy to see each other. Yes. We're coming in each other's rooms. It's a really great thing that our clients, which I think speaks to our clients because they know and love us and trust us. So when you're popping in my room and I'm with a lash client or I'm doing dermaplaning and mind you, my clients have their eyes closed and in some cases have to have their eyes closed for the duration <laughs> of the service. And Candace or Ina will stop by and be like, Hey, and I'll be introducing my clients. <laughs> saying, you can't see this person, but this is Candace and everyone's well, it's a fun environment. Loves. It's the girls' club. Yes, it's a hundred percent the girl. It is a fun experience when you come to any of us. That we allow boys to come to every once in a while, occasionally, because we do have the occasional boy client. Yeah, occasionally, if they've filled out the questionnaire and we've approved them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, we we do have our really great male clients too, but they do. They're fun loving. Mm, also. But they also you have to be like fun loving and go with yeah. the flow and yeah, definitely. So I think it speaks to both the vibe in the building itself, but then I think that was cultivated because of the relationship that we have and that we have with Ina. And we each have individual friendships with one another, but then the three of us together is yes. just dynamite. So let's talk a little bit about what it really means to be boldly beautiful. Let's talk about how we kind of came to calling this podcast Bully Beautiful, which really, honestly, comes from why both of us even started in this industry. I think we talked about it a little bit on our previous episode, but there's so much more that goes into beauty and the beauty industry than just, hey tint my lashes or hey I want to get a chemical peel or hey this is something on my face that's been bothering me can we just fix it absolutely a lot of times that is actually just a way that someone is able to not necessarily fix something in themselves but it's something that's leading them down a path that's more um, this is something that's important to me. This is something that has impacted how I feel about myself. This is something that impacts my relationships and how I communicate with other people. Um, so for me, the conversation that I often have particularly with my styling clients, because a lot of the styling clients are coming to me in the sense of, I need to change my look 
because I am the face of something, I own a business, right. or I sit on the board of a charity, or I am in the type of work where I am a, often a keynote speaker, and I am right. in front of people, and it is my look, the way I carry myself, the way that I speak, that attracts potential clients, donors, sure. you know, customers to the business. When people see me, I need to evoke this feeling. Right, yes. Mm -hmm. And, or even in the entertainment business with some recording artists that I've worked with, you are the brand. Sure. People are buying, I mean, you clearly need to be talented in some way and have a great product that you're putting out there, but people are also buying you. Right. They're buying your trustworthiness. They're right. buying your level of expertise. They're buying your just aura mm -hmm. that they might want to be around mm -hmm. for some reason. Um, because especially if you're in any kind of client service work, you're going to be spending a lot of time with that person. And so you need to like them, right? You, you, hundred you know. percent. <laughs> and some things are, can't really be changed. Like personalities are going to mesh with other personalities and, you know, different life circumstances are going to mesh with different life circumstances, but there's kind of a universal thing of when it looks like you take care of yourself then you automatically are putting out trust. Because let's be honest, it takes a lot of effort to take care of ourselves. Right. It does. It, it, Especially when it's not just you. Especially when you've got a family waiting on you at yes. home. Or you're running a company and you have employees depending on you. Or you are a physician and you're taking care of other people all day long. Right. You get put on the bottom of the list mm -hmm. because there are other people that are depending on you. You think you can always get to you later. Mm-hmm. And that's, so, so I think that that's actually a whole other, that's a whole other like section sure. of that is the, to take care of yourself actually helps you take care of others easier. 100%. Then it's there, one of my founding principles. Yes. Yep. So that's a big thing that we talk to people about. And then I also like to talk to people about the idea of there is a difference between vanity and caring about your looks. Yes. Let's talk more about that because I feel like that is one of the biggest misconceptions is that if I spend time, money, or any other form of resources on myself, I am being selfish and I am being vain. Yes. So what do you say in response to that? When you have clients that very clearly have that position and they, that you can tell that that is what is holding them back. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit more about how you work through that with them. 
So for me, vanity is more of an internal issue than an outer issue. Okay. Vanity is putting one one's own appearance of such an importance that you will sacrifice all other human values like kindness, like generosity, like basically having any other concept of other human beings. And the fact that sometimes it's not about your appearance and your own image, it's about the service you can do for others. It's about that no, maybe you are so obsessed with your looks that you spend all your money on that and then there's no money left over for rent, rent, <laughs> feeding your right. family. Right. You know, I mean, it's that, an obsession. It's an obsession. It's sure. when it becomes almost like an addiction, like sure. some people might treat an, an addiction or it's, it's just coming from a place of pure superficialness so but that is different from caring about taking care of yourself because you want to maintain health Mm -hmm. and you want to maintain a healthy Mm self-image as far as knowing I need to have a certain level of confidence Mm -hmm. to then function in a healthy mental state. Mm -hmm. And then that actually makes me more of service to others. Sure. And so, you know, we always use the example of stay-at-home moms. Mm -hmm. Stay-at-home moms especially are the ones that will say, well, it doesn't really matter about my image or that I dress up or that because who am I trying to impress? I'm just either with the moms in the play group or I'm with my kids at home all day. But think about how amazing you feel and how much more energy you have when you get up and put on a nice outfit right. every day. Right. Or think about what you're teaching your kids and what you're not to say again you can always go too far right you can always be extreme in one way but don't you think it's also valuable to teach your children boy or girl that it's important to still take care of yourself right because what's what's the first thing they tell you on an airplane right is if an emergency is happening and the oxygen masks fall you put your own on before you assist anybody else yes even your children because if you are not in a state of well-being yourself then you are doing i'll argue a disservice to the people around you I'm taking it a little bit further. I'm not just saying you're not as good as you could be for your family, your friends, your employees if Mm -hmm. you're running a company. I'm going out there on a limb and torch me if you want to, but I'm going to say you're actually doing those people in your life a disservice Mm -hmm. when you have put yourself at the bottom. Because if you are not running optimally, then you are leaving things on the table that someone else could have greatly benefited from. Whether that means you're caring enough about your own health 
and wellness to make sure you're getting those eight hours of sleep yes. or that you're going and getting a regular maintenance facial to save you actually time in the morning when you're getting up and getting right because your skin's in great condition or whatever it is for you to feel like your soul is fed, your physical body is taken care of, your mental health has been addressed and you feel full. Mm -hmm. Then you're not looking at everybody else in your life that's taking small pieces of you and internally resenting them. Yes. You're, you're happy to give away pieces of yourself because they are full, vibrant branches on a plant that can go and become cuttings to start other brand new, beautiful plants. Ooh, excellent analogy. I'm a queen. <laughs> you are. You really yeah. are. But, but no, that's so true. I yeah. mean, you have to think about it like you are a garden mm-hmm. or a plant that is going to bear a lot of fruit. That's that's supposed to be the whole point. If you are a mom, if you are a spouse, if you are a business owner, if you are wanting to be a good sibling, a good good daughter, a good steward of this life, you are supposed to be a plant that will bear a lot of fruit, and the fruit is whatever your natural gifts are, whatever they may be. But if you don't water the plant. Right. If you don't cultivate the soil. Yes. If you don't weed around it. Yes. If you're not doing the things and putting the work in to cultivate and to really nourish and get that plant to grow, you're going to have brittle yellowed leaves that don't bear fruit. Right. Or the fruit that it does is bitter and sour and not fit to eat. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to wilt in the hot summer sun. It's going to be overtaken by those weeds and easily surrendered because it's weak. You have to think of yourself as something that not only do I deserve, and I think that's a word that maybe um, catches some people sometimes, is the word deserve. I I feel like that word, using the word deserve, throws some people off because they say, well, what did I do to deserve that? Or what? Uh, and yeah. I think you can't get too hung up on that because it's not about necessarily deserving the time or attention on yourself. It's about what you were meant to do with this. You were not given this life. You were not given this body. You were not given the opportunities that you are to be in front of people every day to waste them. So if you don't Amen. take care of it, then then what are you doing? What are you doing? And when you're going home at the end of the day and you're exhausted and really you just want 30 minutes to yourself, but the kids are climbing on you, everyone's hungry, there's groceries to be put away, the laundry's stacked up, the dishes are dirty. I don't know a single soul, probably Mother Teresa herself, that wouldn't have just been ready to blow a gasket. Mm -hmm. Or internally having that dialogue inside your own head that's just thinking, I can't catch a break. Yeah. I'm tired, I'm done with this. I just, I can't do this. 
So take the 30 minutes. Right. Isn't that, if we're going to talk cost-benefit relationships, you know, because most people want to say, oh, I don't have time for that, or mm -hmm. I don't have money for that, or yeah. I don't. Don't you think, honestly, coming home rejuvenated, feeling like you feel like a million bucks, you maybe you got a massage that day. Maybe you got your toenails painted. Mm -hmm. I don't, whatever it is, whatever floats your boat that makes you feel when you walk out of there like, oh, I can breathe. Don't you think you're much more equipped to then come home to the kids climbing all over you and be able to just hug them and love them and be like, I missed you too. Right. And do the dishes or tack, start tackling the laundry. Absolutely. Like, it's just a different mindset, I think. Well, and there's, I don't know if it is an American thing or a Western world thing or, well, because, I mean, culturally, even in a lot of Asian countries, they talk about how, you know, businessmen literally drop dead in their offices because there's just almost this martyrdom Absolutely. that's glorified sure. in our society. And I think that that's more of like a, a global thing yep. than, you know, you some people like to admit. I only slept two hours because yes. I was up until three o'clock working on this brief. We glorify the sacrifice of hard work mm -hmm. and you wear it like a badge of honor and that is so unhealthy and there seems to be a handful of European countries that have kind of caught on that that's not the smart way to be right. but right. other than that there it seems to be a global obsession of to take a break is bad mm -hmm. and to continuously work even at the expense of one's own sanity makes you almost godlike. Sure. And that kind of trickles down into various forms, mm -hmm. I think, for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And you need to just, each individual person needs to assess their own lives and say, where do I do that in my life? And what's really the domino effect of, well, I thought eh, I could go get a massage, but really that's like an extra hour to an hour and a half I could work. Oh, it meant that I got that brief done, but then I went home and got in a fight with my husband. Right. Because I'm irritated. I'm overspent. Yes. I'm frustrated. Because I was exhausted and he made a comment about how something wasn't done around the house and that was literally the last straw. Right. And I couldn't handle him anymore. Right. Whereas you could have just taken the time for yourself mm -hmm. and done... And also, let's say, I mean, we are in the self-care business, so of course we're going to say, well, you should get that massage, and you right. should get that facial, and you should, but sometimes this is just go for a walk yes, for an hour. Absolutely. I mean, this is not, doesn't have to be things that cost you money. It right. doesn't have to be things that, seem, that may seem like grand luxuries, because there, there are just some people who are not facial people, and they're not... 
sure. lay there and sit still for an hour and a half and mm -hmm. have lashes attached to their eyes, you know? Right, right. <laughs> but find your thing. Right. And I think the point we're trying to make is that's what it means to be boldly beautiful. Right. It to means us. taking those steps when it doesn't always look like in that moment you have the time or you have the energy or you have what you need to take that time carved out for yourself. But the impact, just like you were saying earlier, and we're not saying every fight spurned in the house is because you didn't get your massage. Although that be <laughs> one heck of a marketing campaign. We should like probably target that. Okay, but, we're gonna work on you that. You know, um, the what we're saying is the ripple effect. You you don't even know how far that goes. How far deep rooted that frustration or anger or exhaustion insert any of those emotions really goes when then you are in the midst of these people in your home, your best friends, your family, your cuppy mate at work. We always, I had this discussion with my mom when she was down visiting last. She said, you know, most people will treat a total stranger better than they will their own family. Mm -hmm. And it's because you're in such close proximity. You know so much about them. They've always been there. There's that whole taking them for granted aspect of things. But when that fuse is already short, you wind up taking it out on the people that you love the most. And that doesn't do anybody any favors, right. m much less yourself. And that's where I think this really comes full circle, too, is we're all about making sure that you're doing or we are all doing things in our lives that make us better for the people in our lives. But ultimately, it also comes down to how you feel about yourself, because and I feel like this argument, it's not really an argument, but I feel like this saying can go both ways. That yes, your inner beauty is what matters, right? Your heart, uh, how you take care of others, your level of compassion for others. Those are all, and I will not argue against this, far more important than how you look in a dress or what your right. skin looks like or how great of a makeup job you did today. But where I think the beauty industry honestly helps that is it can be really, really difficult for someone that's having those internal struggles that doesn't feel pretty, that doesn't feel worthy, that doesn't feel smart enough or good enough or any of the enoughs, right? I mm -hmm. feel like enough is its own monster. It's really hard to start overcoming those internal battles when you're also very unhappy with the person and the image that you're seeing reflected back at you in the mirror. Right. And sometimes I think that we can flip the script a little bit and by making some small changes that are on the outside, it can start changing the thinking and the internal self-talk on the inside. Because when you get out of the sweats and put on a nice suit or a dress that makes you feel powerful or makes you feel 
pretty. Maybe it's the dress that every time you wear it, you get compliments. Or you've just gotten your hair done. I don't know any time that I've ever walked out of a salon and I haven't done the hair flip or wanted to go somewhere because my hair looks darn good right, right. then. And it does. It changes how you feel on the inside. So is changing something physically or improving something physically always the answer? No, of course not. I'm not saying that. But do I think it can help? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And I think that's what maybe we need to start having that conversation a little bit more and not putting down people or each other who want to go do these things. If you want bigger lips, go get bigger lips. Right. It may not be for me. They're not my lips. Yes. Go to town. If that's what makes you feel like when you look in the mirror, you think, dang, now those are the lips. Then by golly, go get them. Right. Because that's what's helping you walk taller and helping you feel confident enough to maybe have some conversations with friends or with family that need to be had or it makes you more open and willing instead of resentful and angry mm -hmm. when you go home. So I, I think that's the biggest thing and the biggest barrier I see when we get that argument about, oh, well, if I were to go do that, that's just, you know, a luxury or that's just selfish or vain. I love your point about that it should, there should be more open conversation and mm -hmm. I think support yes. within our own communities and our own social circles and... It shouldn't of, be something you're embarrassed to yes. say. And I think that that's maybe where some, some of those more European countries where mm -hmm. they do embrace self-care and you know that you should always dress up before you leave the house and you should you know is because it's it's talked about more sure. it's supported more it's you know there is talk all over the place in America that if you want to be you know, a, uh, a good salesman or in the corporate business world, you better learn how to play golf. Mm -hmm. It needs to be that we start saying things like, oh, you want to achieve this type of career or you want to rise to this level of success. Well, then you better get yourself into a spa and start taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And because one, that could also be places where you network, <laughs> much like True. the golf course. Right. But it's also just about the general supporting of people taking care of themselves and wanting to do something positive. Absolutely. That's positive in, in their world. And we have kind of a stigma against that, and I'm not sure why. Right. Yeah. And you know, you touched on something that I want to come back to when you said taking care of things. If you think about, tell me something, what is a possession that you have in your house that means the world to you? Um, my wedding ring. Okay. 
So do you just throw your wedding ring haphazardly, like, in the bottom of the closet when, I mean, you take care of it, right? Right. Because you treasure it. We Mm -hmm. take care of the things we treasure. We make sure it's clean and it's polished. We wear it with pride. We have a special place that we put it in our jewelry boxes. We do all these things because we care about it, because we treasure it. Yes. And if that's how we take care of things that we treasure, shouldn't we take care of ourselves even more so? Absolutely. I mean, things can be replaced. Mm -hmm. Things are just things. We are the drivers in our lives. We are the ones that are in these relationships and making these connections and trying to make the world a better place by whatever means and gifts that we've been given. So when we say, I really value and treasure something, so I'm going to take care of it, I truly believe that that conversation should start beginning, that conversation should start by saying, I treasure and value myself and what I bring to this world. Therefore, I'm going to take care of myself. And you cannot easily replace your body. Right. I mean, we do live in a marvel- marvelous medical age. True. True. <laughs> yep. That is the most ad- replacement. Yes, replacement. the most advanced that it's ever been. The amount of stents my dad has had, he's going to be yes. a bionic man and live forever. Exactly. We have prosthetics. We have transplants. Right. We have However. AI. However, let's talk about this as kind of the third area of why you would want to be boldly beautiful and embrace taking care of yourself and self-care is prevention. Absolutely. It is so baffling to me the number of people that have said, well, it's, it's, I don't have the time to work out, or it's too hard to figure out how to eat right, or I don't want to pay $80 a month for a facial or $75 a month for a massage. Or, but then when push comes to shove, they're perfectly okay with multi-thousand dollar medical bills or paying for very expensive plastic surgeries to fix all of the wrinkling and the damage from smoking and the lifestyle and you know I couldn't find the 32 minutes to an hour every day to work out, but I'm actually shopping for liposuction doctors, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but yet that's okay, you know, and, and don't even get me started about all the pharmaceuticals and how we're perfectly okay to just pop a pill that is costing us exorbitant amounts of money. And even when the insurance pay, insurance companies are paying for them, that's still bankrupting everyone with all the insurance and you know, insurance companies. I mean, it's just this huge problem that snowballed that I feel like could have at the very least been cut in half right. by simple lifestyle changes that were done in small increments with smaller amounts of money 
over the whole course of your life. Sure. Or at the very least, complementing some of those things. Or complementing right. some of those things. Right. Yep. Because I'm not saying that the industry shouldn't exist at all. Right. Western, but, both right. Western and Eastern medicine are amazing right. and have a place. Right. But they're so relied on when self-care over the course of a lifetime really could have saved you so much money and so much heartache and so much chronic illness and preserved the body that you originally had so you didn't have to do all of the crazy, expensive, evasive medical stuff Sure. once you got towards the end of your life. Sure. I agree. I agree. So I think this is probably a good part to kind of wrap this up in a little bow or, or such. If you could give one piece of advice to, let's say, a busy mom, right? Because I know you're a busy mom, so <laughs> we'll task you with that. But one piece of advice to a busy mom on how to start incorporating self-care into her routine. She has no idea where to start. This is a new concept for her. Maybe it's a new baby, and there are just not enough hours in the day for her right now. What is something she can take away from this that can kind of help her get started on that path? You meditate for five minutes, either first thing when you wake up or last thing before you go to sleep or both. I love that. Because it does not require you to pay anything. It does not require you to take a class. It doesn't, I mean, look, there's great meditation apps out there and... YouTube videos and all of that great stuff, but you don't even need that in the beginning. You just need to consciously focus on breathing and clean out all the thoughts in your head and kind of just organize them and practice breathing exercises. I love that. All of that, just let your mind quiet down. Do not go straight into sleep from your crazy going 90 to nothing headspace. It's like you're bound to have some whiplash if that's how you end your day, right? Right. Because if you're going 90 miles an hour and then come to a sudden stop, you're going to have some whiplash. Yes. So let's slow the car down a little bit when we're nearing our destination, which is bed. Yes. (laughs) You know, let's slow things down. Let's quiet it down so that we can ease into it. And really, I think that speaks a lot to getting into being more intentional. Mm -hmm. And I think when we learn to be more intentional in our lives, it leads to more intentional, um, the ability to be more intentional with our time, with our resources, which is then going to make even more space to have some self-care routines. Yes. Well, and I'm a big believer that when if you are a chronic nightmare sufferer or a jaw clincher or you're just always kind of waking up not feeling as rested, it's because you went to sleep in an already heightened Sure. Mental state. 
So on that note, in surgery, we would always know the people that were likely to wake up from anesthesia in a really panicked state, and they were the ones that went to sleep in a panicked mm, state. Mm -hmm. So what we tried really hard to do was the room was quiet. There wasn't a whole bunch going on in the background that they would know. As the nurse, I would stand there and I would either hold their hand or be talking to them as the nurse anesthetist or the anesthesiology, anesthesiologist was putting them to sleep so that they had a calm experience oh, that's as excellent. they went to sleep because you want them to wake up in a calm state. Absolutely. Especially when they're just having surgery for some, you know, maybe they just had a giant, you know, hip replacement surgery right. or something that's going to be painful and uncomfortable for them, especially if they're waking up thrashing and panicked and, yes, you know, can hurt themselves or somebody else. So... All righty. I think that's a wrap. Awesome. Well, everybody go and meditate. Yeah. And Take a few minutes. Focus on ways you can be boldly beautiful. Absolutely. Thanks for hanging in there. See you later, guys. Bye-bye.